God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And wow, there's a lot going on uh, with respect to the Democrat Party and what they're up to. Um, it seems a little fishy to me that Maxine Waters came down with COVID. And she she used the same exact words that Tucker Carlson pretty much predicted that they would use. And uh, I thought that was interesting as well, you know, that um, she used the words, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, and uh, uh, that I was vaccinated. And then all the while, you know, they're um, still pushing these vaccines and the globalists are still pushing their agenda, just like in Italy, they're basically saying, that the social credit score system is going to look at climate climate behavior, uh, and they're going to score you based on your cli- your climate behavior. That's an article written over at the National Pulse that I just posted up um, on my Twitter. So it's um it's pretty amazing stuff. And then you know, of course, the other big story today is you know that we're going to be talking about is. Some of the testimony given by Mayorkas related to the immigration and the border security. He thinks we're doing a good job. And, uh, of course, anybody with two brain cells that could, you know, brush together uh, could possibly, couldn't possibly make that statement. Mayorkas is a sick ideologue that doesn't care about America, that wants to basically use, do this experiment and import voters and import slave labor markets and an answer to the corporations. And I think that's what's so interesting and so great about Elon Musk is he's he's doing a lot of what Donald Trump did. I think he learned from Donald Trump, even though he and Donald Trump probably aren't the best of friends. But one of the things that he said today, he tweeted I think I'm going to buy Coca-Cola and put cocaine back in uh, back in the product again. 
And of course, you know, that's a slap in the face to Larry Fink and 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 BlackRock who own Pepsi and Coke. That's a slap in the face to the woke corporations and their fiduciary duties to the uh, shareholders. I mean, these highbrow woke corporations, these globalist corporations, these multinational corporations who've been trying to talk to us like they got some highbrow, highfalutin message that somehow the people that buy their product are too stupid to realize uh, that that they're on a higher plane and that they have a uh, a more altruistic purpose to uh, mankind. And in fact, they're the ones that are the biggest violators of mankind with their slave labor markets, with their uh, unfair tactics, with their uh, SEC violations. Uh, and they once upon a time apparently had Coke in their product, uh, some sort of uh, a degree of it. You know, like whatever's in cocaine that there was an ingredient that perked you up, I guess, in uh, Coca-Cola. But I don't think that's where it got its name. I'm not sure exactly. But it was funny that Elon Musk said that. And again, it just just smacks into the face, and he tweeted it, by the way, and he smacks into the face of political correctness, doesn't it? And that's exactly what we're running from. That's exactly... Why it is, you know, I almost made the mistake of saying, you know, this attack on free speech and this censorship started with Trump. But it really, yeah, of course, it didn't start with Trump. Uh, Trump was the antithesis of, of the free speech haters. He was basically the guy that just took political correctness and broke it. I just heard somebody say that the White House Correspondence Dinner is coming back this weekend. And I was thinking to myself, wow, the, Trump, they couldn't even give Trump a White House Correspondence Dinner. I mean, they, Trump didn't want to participate in it because it, it would be so hypocritical. The media is just so in the tank for one party. And they're just a bunch of swine. They get these, these Pulitzer Prizes for the Russian hoax. You know, it's absolutely absurd that these people with these high brows sitting behind the ivory towers, perched up in their Silicon Valley estates, you know, it's just they're running the world into the ground with their radical ideology. And you say, well, how do we get here? And in a large part, they're the product of the hippies. And the hippie movement, that whole radical 60s, where the media was in bed with the radicals. And I can tell you, someone like my father, you know, who's 85 today, or not, it's not his birthday today, but I mean, you know, was, uh, was, was working in the 70s and he he was uh, rising up. Um, But the idea, is that he was never one of those hippies, you know. He was never a radical hippie. I never had to sit around and and watch uh, my father smoke grass or anything like that. You know, it's it's absolutely foreign to me that that I would be, you know, in a in an environment like that. Um, 
but the idea is is that the people that were sort of in the in the hippie movement in the sixties, which I guess my father could have chosen to be that, but he didn't. He didn't choose to be that. But there, there a lot of those people existed back then, and uh, take you know experimenting with LSD and coke and pot and all this stuff and the other. I never was subjected to that, but there were a lot of people back then that were. And through the 80s and then the 90s, they were the leaders of our society. They they worked their way up the ladder. Uh, they were old enough. They were educated enough, I guess. But they had these radical ideas. But like like my father's ideas, they were they ran counter to the liberal media because he was a conservative his whole life. But you take uh, someone like, um, you know, these radical lefties, and they were adopted. You know, I often uh, make this claim, usually at a party or something, where I could say, Phil Donahue was really the, 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 the person who was one of the catalysts to this whole thing about turning a blind eye to uh, criminals. Or given criminals an easier path. Because I remember um, when Bill Donahue, you know, and again, we're talking culture here. This is a cultural thing. But Phil Donahue, he would peel this onion and he would say, you know, if there was a rapist, for example, uh, they started with this show, these daytime shows, and they would start to look at the upbringing of the rapist or the, the murderer or the um serial killer or whoever it was and they would look into the deep they would do a deep background on these things and somehow you were left with the impression wow he was the he was really the victim right the the villain in this case the murderer is truly the victim they were the victim of their poor upbringing and then everybody started to get a pass, like, hey, that, that works for me. Oh, that's going to work for me. And it entered, it, it seeped its way into the court systems. I mean, even the Johnny Depp and Amanda Heard uh, thing that's going on, I promised I would never mention those names on this show now. And uh, they're, they're, they're having this court battle, and it's a really embarrassment for both careers. But uh, in any case, um, you know, they go into these backgrounds, you know, and they're doing it today, even in that case, trying to gain sympathy from the uh, jury pool or what, whatever, or explain away, you know, your behaviors today. You know, well, you know, I, I couldn't possibly have done that because I was exposed to this and blah, blah, blah. But... um and that's the same thing that they're doing with critical race theory, or that's the same thing they're doing with reparations. Oh, black people can go out and commit crimes all of a sudden, and so long as it's under $950, you're not going to get thrown in jail. You know why? Because you really had it. You deserve reparations anyway because of your upbringing, because of your ancestry. There's a lot of other groups other than black people that have been you know, abused and misused. Try the Native American Indians, which I am one. And 
You know, but we're not whining and complaining. We're looking forward and we're we're pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps. We're playing by the rules. We're getting the education. We're showing up to work on time. And generally speaking, if you do that in America, it doesn't matter what color you are, you're going to make it. So long as you actually don't, you know, cheat on your wife or commit a crime that takes the male figure or even the female figure out of the playing field uh, and creating single parent homes. And it's not just with the black community, but, you know, our communities in general. We have uh, probably the highest single parent home rate in, in the world for an industrialized nation. I heard this, uh, I, I, you know, I, I can't really fact check that because I just remember hearing somebody uh, that I respect say that recently. And um, I just assumed that that might be true. But the idea is, is that our single parent home rates are so high, but they don't want to talk about that. They just want to throw money. They want to throw money at these problems and they want to rewrite history and they want to indoctrinate our children. And they figured it worked with LSD and they work, it worked with the hippies and these liberals uh, ancestry the the children of those hippies are in charge now. And a lot of them are really wealthy and really well educated at wealth, then education, because we know that education is really sort of like a country club. You know, it's one of these things where it requires a lot of money. And then this whole thing about give back, about forgiving these student loan debts, that's not a uh, blue collar thing. That's a ivory tower thing. That's another way to give to the wealthy because it's the wealthy that got them that are going to school. Now, everybody's sort of going to school today, but I don't see the middle class benefiting from a lot of these government perks. In fact, the globalist mandates and shutdowns and lockdowns and controls and tyrannical things that were happening, we've seen with inflation and we've seen with the COVID mandates and we've seen with so many other things, this 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 uh, migration of funds from the middle class to the wealthy. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a theft from the middle class. And of course, that seems to be the exact middle class that tends to vote for Donald Trump. And that seems to be the exact middle class that they can't control. That, that, that class they, they can't control is the middle class. Yes, they can control the Goldman Sachs of the world. In fact, I just tweeted all up and down my Twitter right now. This woman from New Jersey who was wronged, who was fired uh, over the COVID vaccines, and she's on a mission now, and she um, has a bunch of these tweets. And what's interesting about it is they're actually pretty good. It's about how Governor Murphy is using Goldman Sachs on every contract, and he's invested personally in Goldman Sachs. How do you like that? And how about this? These COVID relief funds that they're now using to misappropriate and build infrastructure and, and CRT and push CRT in schools. And now we know how this was all done. All of this was done by buying and selling. And they did the same thing under the Obama regime. 
when they wanted the education, when they wanted the school, uh, the education department, when they wanted school districts to uh, endorse and embrace trans, what they would do is they would uh, threaten to defund your school system unless you didn't start talking more about trans and build trans bathrooms and put trans in your face everywhere you go. Even though the population of that group is so few that they could have actually used the, the teacher's lounge bathroom to, to get that job done. But okay. How about, how about Rise to the Top, that program? Remember that educational program? It was all about Common Core. And that Common Core, you know, if you uh, got on board with the Rise to the Top, Rise to the Top sounds great, Common Core, which was basically socialized education and indoctrination. But if you embraced it, you would get all this money. But if you didn't embrace it, you wouldn't. And now they're doing the same exact thing with the COVID. And again, they're supporting abortions with this COVID money. And if you have $113, $114 trillion, $113.926 trillion, that's $114 trillion. I mean, I'm sorry, a billion, $114 billion. Just for New Jersey. New Jersey has received a whopping $114 billion in unaccounted for COVID relief funds. And that's just what has been reported. Where's the money? Now we know what was going on there. Now we know the promises were made. Now we know that the way they bought support and endorsements, the the way the Democrats actually always fall into place in line, in lockstep, is by the fact that they could be easily bought. And maybe even not in the case of Jersey, so easily bought. In the case of Jersey, they actually held out for a hundred whopping $114 billion. And I said, imagine how many friends you can buy with $114 billion in a state like New Jersey. You could easily get reelected with that. But he didn't get easily reelected, did he? He almost lost to a guy I can't even remember his name. Governor Murphy barely won because people don't like them, but they're buying up election rigging. They're buying up infrastructure and they're buying up endorsements and they're buying it all up. So Tammy Murphy, the wife of Governor Murphy, the Pandemic Relief Fund gave funding Planned Parenthood, uh, gave funding to Planned Parenthood with COVID relief funds. So we got these COVID relief funds and the Planned Parenthood of Northern, Central, and Southern New Jersey received money from the New Jersey Pandemic Relief Fund. And that was per the First Lady, Tammy Snyder Murphy. How do you like that? And uh, we'll go ahead and take a uh, call really quick. Caller, you're on the air. Yeah, real quick. Last night when I was watching Laura Ingram on Fox News, they stated that $400 billion, would it be? $400 billion was uh, <clears throat> missing from fraudulent 
claims from the pandemic unemployment and of that money that came from the fraudulent claims was illegals and foreigners. Now, 400 billion, I want you to think about that. That's five times more than what Elon Musk paid for Twitter. So this, and that was taxpayers' money that went out the door. So you can see what's happening. The, the house of cards is crumbling at every aspect, but just wanted to bring up that point. All right, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Uh, there's more money than, uh, there's more money than we can shake a stick at. And that's that's the sad that's the sad news right there, is uh, there's just way too much money, and we keep giving it to them, right? We keep giving it to them. We can't do that. We cannot afford to do that. We have to do better. And you know, so we're reading all these reports of all these things, and um, yeah, and. Uh, we got to we, we got to get ahead of this. I wanted to read a couple of tweets um, uh, uh, that we have going on here, and then also I I wanted to um, play Tucker Carlson's open from last night because it was um, actually pretty pretty good last night, and uh, so we're going to go ahead and take a listen to this. Um, but also, I wanted to read some tweets. Um, because there are some good ones. And uh, I th- I think in some ways, the people that tweet are given some of the best commentary that you could ever imagine. Um, but Elon Musk says, Truth Social, terrible name, exists because Twitter censored free speech. Is he wrong? He's exactly right. Elon Musk for Twitter, uh, for Twitter to deserve public trust, it must be Politically neutral, which effectively means upsetting the far right and the far left equally. The Bradford File writes, They banned the Hunter Biden story because they knew it was true, not disinformation. And Breaking 9-11 says, or 9-1-1 says, Congresswoman Maxine Waters says that she has tested positive for COVID. I am grateful to be fully vaccinated and to have received Two booster shots. Well, you know what? The day before that, we played, uh, there was a Tucker Carlson um, uh, commentary. This is about a minute and 40 seconds. And I'm going to play it for you because he said this the day before. It was announced that that, uh, Maxine Waters, and he said they say the exact same phrase. I'm grateful. And I said this yesterday. I'm grateful. And then I learned uh, that Maxine Waters comes down with it, and she says the exact same phrase. I'm grateful that I was vaccinated uh, now that I have COVID. Uh, and they're up to something because there's something else going on with regard to Dr. Fauci. That's why I'm going to play last night's open from Tucker. So let's take a listen to Tucker's commentary from the night before. Kamala Harris doesn't have a lot of fixed beliefs. Okay, none. Well, one, really. The one thing Kamala Harris believes is that the COVID vaccine works perfectly. And if you don't take it, you're a criminal. Here's the thing. Getting vaccinated is the single best defense against COVID-19 and its variants. It's the single best defense. I do believe that the act of getting vaccinated is the very essence, the very essence of what the Bible tells us, 
when it says, love thy neighbor. Yeah. Right? It's like a religious observance, like a sacrament. It's like transubstantiation. And Kamala Harris, who's never actually had a job, knows a lot about medicine. So that's the setup to today's story, which you can already guess, which is Kamala Harris has guess which disease? Oh, COVID. And you know what that means? It means the vaccines work perfectly. Because when you get the vaccine, you get COVID. Because that's what they were intended to do. And we're quoting her. Quote, I'm grateful to be both vaccinated and boosted, Harris wrote, because it's not any kind of ransom script. <laughs> and the funny thing is, they all say it. Barack Obama got Rona, and he said the same thing. I'm grateful to be vaccinated and boosted. Hillary Clinton had the same thought. She was, quote, more grateful than ever for the protections that vaccines can provide now that she had COVID. And Elizabeth Warren, too, quote, I am grateful for the protection that comes from being vaccinated and boosted. Cory Booker put his signature twist on it. He said he'd be doing much worse without the booster. Weird how they all sound exactly the same. They get the shot, then they get Rona, and then they celebrate getting the shot. What's going on here? What is going on here, huh, folks? You can't make this stuff up. I mean, so Maxine Waters gets COVID, and she says the exact same thing the day after Tucker reports that. It's almost like it's absolutely stunningly crazy, isn't it? And you just wonder what's going on because Dr. Fauci says it's over, then it's not over. Um, you know, yesterday he said something to the effect or the day before yesterday, he said something to the effect. It's over. Uh, we're uh, through the pa- pandemic phase, you know, all this stuff. But you just better believe that, you know what? One of the things that's interesting about that is Mayorkas. You know, we have a lot of great clips uh, that we're going to play today for Mayorkas. And here's the kicker. I think what's happening is they are, and, and you're going to hear Tucker Carlson say almost exactly the opposite, which I don't agree with him on this. But what I, what I am going to say, because, you know, um, I think it's this. I think that they're putting an end to the COVID so that they could have a summer of importation of without without the now they have to get they have to pass this title 42 thing and right now they don't have the votes in the in the senate for sure to do that but just like remain in mexico they they violated that they there's a court order that says you got to restore remain in mexico they they ignored it they're ignoring the laws of the land but I have a feeling that what they're going to be doing is they're going to be importing a whole bunch of people into the United States, like 18,000 um, a day or something, or 18,000 a month. Uh, we're going to get to that number. But it's a large number. And so many people are coming through the um, border, and they're going to have to explain if you're going to be taken seriously about COVID. Then what you know? Then what, what's going to happen? Um, if you're going to be taken seriously about COVID, then you're going to let people come through uh, and infect our country. So they're basically going to say COVID's over. Right now, the numbers are low, so we are post-pandemic. That's what Fauci said, and he said it just in time for this Mayorkas hearing. 
And the Mayorkas hearing is all about, you know, creating the stage for all this influx of people that are going to be coming through now that they've made the announcement that they want to get rid of Title 42. That's going to create an incentive. And all these people are going to want to come and flood into the United States. So they're going to say right now there isn't a COVID emergency, but we will have one. And are they going to blame it on the influx of people? Or are they they just going to blame it on what? Science? Somehow these two are connected. And just like in the beginning of COVID, where every actor that was a liberal uh, would come out and get onto a Twitter, social media or whatever and say, I have COVID. It's tough. It's, It's hard for me. But, uh, you know, I'm going to get through it with your prayers. And they get there and they get through it. But they were, it was just all liberals. I said, why is it all liberals that are giving these videos? Well, why is that? Because they're pushing it. They're selling it. They're promoting it. They're fear-mongering you. And then we have um, now... Everybody's again coming down with COVID. Obama, Kamala, Maxine Waters, all these people. All three of them are black too. I don't know. I I don't know what that's about. But I will say this, that all three are liberal. And Nancy Nancy Pelosi, I think, came down with it as well. And um, all these people are coming down with it. And they're all liberal. I just don't quite fully understand the play right now. I don't understand the gimmick, the play. But something, I can smell it. Something in my gut is telling me something is going on. You know they need COVID. You know they need it to rig the election, don't you? You just know it. So what are they up to? Keep your eye on the ball. It's a Ponzi scheme. And they're the best at it because they care so much about cheating because they don't have any ideas to sell for themselves. Let's take a listen to to this Tucker Open. We'll get through this. And then we got some really great clips. Um, uh, Congressman Higgins blew me away. We're going to play that one for sure today. So let's take a listen to Tucker. health authorities, but we don't have them. In fact, after all we've seen, ask yourself, who would you be more likely to trust? Some guy selling discount timeshares in Cabo or a self-described epidemiologist appearing on MSNBC? It's not even close. The timeshare guy might be sleazy. Obviously he is. But is he the one who shut your kid's school down for two years for no reason? Is he the one who forced you to take untested drugs that you didn't want? Is he the one who demanded you stay home in fear, even as he applauded unmasked BLM rioters torching buildings in cities across America? No, he's not. The timeshare guy, whatever his obvious faults, didn't do any of that. The people in lab coats did it. And they were the exact people you're supposed to be able to trust, but you couldn't because they lied to you a lot. And they still are lying to you. Here's Tony Fauci from yesterday. We are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase. Namely, we don't have 900,000 new infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands of hospitalizations and thousands of deaths. We are at a low level right now. 
So if you're saying, are we out of the pandemic phase in this country? We are. We're out of the pandemic, says Fauci. And that means you are now free to transfer the hate that you once felt for your unvaccinated neighbors directly to Vladimir Putin. And by the way, please do, Dr. Fauci's orders. Okay, thank you. But wait a second. Even if you're one of the many people who has recognized for many months that the coronavirus pandemic was indeed over, and who hasn't known that? Since when did Tony Fauci come to the same conclusion? Now, the tape you just saw is from yesterday. Okay, but it was just last week, days ago, that this very same Tony Fauci was scolding a federal judge for daring to end the airline mask mandate without his express permission. In other words, just days ago, this pandemic was raging raging so intensely that you had to cover your insolent little face with a useless paper mask as a signifier of your terror and obedience. Those are the rules. Fauci demanded it. Watch. This is a public health issue. And for a court to come in, and if you look at the, the rationale for that, it really is not particularly firm. And we are concerned about that, about courts getting involved in things that are unequivocally public health decisions. I mean, this is a CDC issue. It should not, should not have been a court issue. No democracy here. This is public health. This is a CDC issue. Federal courts have no power. We'll tell you when you can have your freedoms back, peasant. That's what Fauci just said. And again, that was just last week. And now suddenly this same guy tells us that the dreaded pandemic that ruled our lives for two full years has just gone, disappeared without even a press release. It is buried in the distant past, stricken from polite conversation like a bad starter marriage. We can all pretend it never happened. That was Tony Fauci's position yesterday in that PBS interview. And then today we awoke to sunny skies on the East Coast and a brand new version of Tony Fauci. Because in fact, Tony Fauci explained in yet another interview, this one to the Associated Press, that the coronavirus pandemic is not over. No, not at all. Instead, we're merely in what he called a different moment of the pandemic. But, Fauci emphasized with total self-confidence, not a hint of self-awareness, quote, by no means does that mean the pandemic is over. Following this? So yesterday it was over, today it's back on. That's America's public health establishment, making it up as they go along and yelling at you ceaselessly as they do. And as they have for years. Remember this clip from December when Joe Biden informed you gravely that you probably weren't going to make it through the long winter. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's here now and it's spreading and it's going to increase. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospitals, they'll soon overwhelm. Severe illness and death for the unvaccinated. Ring around the rosy, all fall down. You're screwed, pal. Whoa. Five months later, you look around, and honestly, it's hard to find a single pile of corpses in the street. What you see are a lot of perfectly healthy people who did not take the shot. And at the same time, you notice that an awful lot of vaccinated people died of COVID. What does that mean? Well, it's not a scientific study. But we can be pretty certain there was a lot of lying going on, quite a bit of overstatement that actually crossed the line into deception. Tony Fauci admitted as much to the New York Times back in December of 2020, at which point he should have been bounced out of his job and never heard from again. Speaking of timeshares, go to Cabo, don't talk to us. But no, here's what he said. Dr. Fauci acknowledged that he had slowly but deliberately been moving the goalposts, as scientists do. He is doing so, he said, partly based on new science and partly on his gut feeling that the country is finally ready to hear what he thinks. We're finally ready. Huh. 
So based on his gut instinct, that's the science they're lecturing us on? His gut instinct? Again, that was in 2020. And we let this guy have full control of our purported democracy up until now when he's telling us one day there's a pandemic and the next day there isn't and the next day there is. He didn't think you were ready to hear what he really thinks. We're not ready for Tony Fauci. We're not worthy. You drive through Washington, D.C., the affluent areas in Northwest D.C., all these signs, we love you, Dr. Fauci. We worship you. You're our midget king. Okay. <laughs> so why is he changing his tune now? Well, midterm elections are approaching, and it turns out mask mandates and lockdowns aren't very popular, so we need to get rid of them, says the Democratic Party. But there's a problem. If we declare that the pandemic is actually over, then we can't really justify keeping Title 42. What's that? Well, Title 42 is the public health regulation that allows border officials to turn away illegal aliens because they are a danger to the public health, because they may have COVID, as many of them do. And COVID officially is the scariest thing there is. So you don't want anything scary associated with all these brand new citizens who are gonna vote faithfully for the Democratic Party. That's the idea. So even the guy in charge of our border security has acknowledged that once Title 42 is gone, the border is gonna be flooded with lots of new people moving north, watch. We are mindful that, the, that there can be an increase in migratory flows encountered at our southern border should Title 42 come to an end, as the CDC has determined it, it needs to do by May 23rd. So we're already at the point where possibly two million foreign nationals, none of whom have a right at all to be in this country or use any of our services, probably shouldn't be here at a time when food and energy are getting scarce because supply and demand is real. We've already had that massive, the largest wave of human migration into our country without authorization ever in our history. But you probably didn't notice it because it happened in dribs and drabs every single day. And then these people were put on planes and flown to Westchester and you didn't see it. So you'll tolerate it. But if they drop Title 42, you're going to get a human wave and not from Mexico or El Salvador. That's already happened from the rest of the world. And if that were to happen, the Democrats would be in even deeper trouble than they already are. It probably would guarantee the end of their majority in the Senate because unrestricted migration, illegal immigration is about as popular as mask mandates. So if you're asking yourself, how could Tony Fauci declare the pandemic over yesterday and back on today? Maybe they're connected, not a conspiracy, not or anything. Just throwing that out there. We'll let you decide. And, and we'll leave it right there. Um, it is connected. There is a connection there, I believe. And I think it's, I think it has a lot to do with the expectation that they know that people are going to use COVID, the fear of COVID or the COVID scare or whatever they've been pushing with COVID to basically counter their their argument about the wave of people coming through the border because they want both, but they can't have it both ways. And so they're turning one off and turning one up, turning one down and turning one up. And then once they get that influx that they need to impact the election, they're going to come back with a double whammy, which is basically the COVID restrictions. Because they, they, a lot of these people aren't going to be eligible to vote, of course, but they're going to have IDs. And they're going to have, uh, there's going to be a systematic way to where you could actually create, connect the ID with the ballot. 
with the voter registration and with the ballot. Because, see, like I said, with the QuickBooks analogy, you could create an invoice so long as you have an account. You can't create an invoice in QuickBooks if you don't have an account. You can't, yeah. So, so basically, the system is rigged so that they can create a registration. And that's why when you um, go on social media in the lead up to the election, you're going to start to see, just like we did in 2020, all this demand for reg- uh, voter registration. And again, if you think about, how, like, you know, James Woods yesterday reported this. He said, you know, I got 50,000 new um, people uh, following me yesterday on Twitter. And personally, I'm getting a lot of people follow me on Twitter because people are coming back online. And, and the issue there is if you think that that, you know, so then James Woods asked the, the, the question. He says, um, it's hard to imagine what kind of impact this would have had, this dramatic impact where I'm getting 50,000 new people follow me a day. And it's, it's hard to imagine the level of throttling that they were doing in order to do what they're doing. But one person after the next, after the next, after the next, with these blue checkboxes on Twitter is basically making the argument that their numbers are increasing dramatically. And so then the question is, how much of that's people coming to Twitter because it's a friendly environment? And how much of that are people coming back online being unsuspended? What kind of impact then overnight? What, how, if that's just one person like James Woods, what do you think the impact is in the aggregate? And that's just with Twitter, the smallest of the, the, the big three. And what kind of impact would that have had on the election when Facebook and Zuckerberg and Google and search engines and algorithms and all this censorship, the Hunter Biden censorship, think about everything that went into place there and the value that that has. It has to be worth billions of dollars in illegal campaign financing done through a laundering mechanism that is this social media giant. Because if you were to give that kind of value to any kind of side politically, it would be worth billions. And Dinesh D'Souza wound up in jail thanks to Obama because he gave a couple of hundred or a couple of extra thousand dollars to a campaign by mistake. He ended up in jail. Now, why are these people not in jail for spending $400 billion in Milwaukee and all kinds of other things? It's absolutely absurd. So my new favorite congressman right now, uh, Jim Jordan's always my favorite, but Representative Clay Higgins is on my favorite list right now from Louisiana. Benny Johnson writes, flames disgraced DHS Secretary Mayorkas over disastrous open border crisis. America needs you to own this, sir. My God, man, own the moment. If we have the majority, you will face impeachment. Ask you as I'm asking you as a man, own this thing. Let's take have a you listen. you experienced 
failures in your life, sir, significant enough that you as a man over your six decades of life, you have a compass can help you measure failure. You know what it is as a man. I certainly do. No shame there. I'm asking you. It's an honest question. Congressman, um, I'm 62 years old. Um, anyone who's lived for 62 years has confronted has experienced different, failure. different types of challenges, successes, and failures. Yes, sir. And there's no shame in that. That's part of our journey in life. We get knocked down and we do our best to stand back up. So I'm going to try and help put this in perspective for you, sir. I've had harsh words for you over the last couple of years. You know that. Oh, I've heard them. Yes, Congressman. Yes, sir. I hope you feel my spirit right now. I'm also a compassionate man. And I, I feel that America needs you to, uh, needs you to own this thing. Good, sir. Do you recognize the following statement? You wrote it or someone for you wrote it, under the Biden-Harris administration, the Department of Homeland Security has been executing a comprehensive and deliberate strategy to secure our borders and build a safe, orderly, and humane immigration system. Since January 2021, DHS has effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens seeking to enter the United States effectively managed. You used that verbiage earlier today. Again, I suppose that's the, that's the tested and determined talking point. So I ask you, good sir, tell America, you're a gentleman, 62 years of age, a gentleman of distinguished accomplishment, your secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Like all of us, you've experienced failure in the course of your life. You should have a compass to help you recognize it. This disaster we have at our border, the disintegration of our national sovereignty, cannot be sustained. Anyone that has two brain cells that could perhaps bump into each other would know that it's abject failure down there. So if you would identify our border as effectively managed right now, would it, how would you identify failure? What would it be? Five million crossings in a year? You had two and a half million last year. A million gotaways? You had 500,000 last year. Crime rate tripled instead of doubled. Number one cause of death from 18 to 45-year-old Americans right now is overdose. Under your watch, what would it be from five years old to 50? How would you identify failure if it's not what you've delivered thus far? By God, man, own the moment. You've been called upon to resign by myself and others. Next year, if we have the majority in this committee, which we shall, you're still in office, you'll face impeachment. I ask you as a man, own this thing. Out of respect for you and the office, I ask you to reflect upon that. And I'll give you my remaining 45 seconds.
to respond. Please feel my spirit and speak truthfully. Step away from your talking points and speak to the American people and own this thing. We're losing our country down there. We need you to resign. Save the country the pain of your impeachment. I have 20 seconds, sir. Please respond. Congressman, I couldn't disagree with you more when you state that when you state that our nation's sovereignty is disintegrating. <clears throat> well, I guess Gentlemen's, my answer is that. I yield, Mr. Chairman. Gentlemen's time has expired. <laughs> that was just unbelievable, wasn't it? Oh man. Clay Higgins from Louisiana. Wow. Talk about blowing me away. That just was absolutely stunning. Loved it. So even the uh, Border Patrol officials are saying that is a load of bullcrap with respect to that. And, you know, I, you know, that that's a powerful moment. But there are there's a lot of other news that we want to talk about. Uh, in the short time we have. But, um, you know, I got this thing up from Fox News. It says, CRT and school reopening plans, $15.1 billion used funds to increase educator training and resources in subjects such as anti-bias strategies, environmental literacy, ethnic studies, and LBGTQ cultural competency. And $9 billion goes to New York, put DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion at the heart of New York's education work with all local education agencies. $5.1 billion goes to Illinois, an emphasis on equity and diversity. The plan provides, provided school districts with training on topics like anti-racism and equity. So this is CRT um, funding that's taken out of the COVID relief funds. So Tammy Bruce writes this. She says, this is out and out fraud. The specialty of the corrupt Democrats. They used an existential crisis to fund their cancerous agenda. Disgusting. California, New York, Illinois used COVID-19 relief funds to push CRT in schools. How do you like that? It gets worse, though. Because we just talked about New Jersey getting all that money, right? Yeah, earlier in the show, $114 billion um, in COVID relief funds. Uh, there's a news article out on Re- Revolver News right now, and it says, Leaked documents exposed how USAID, that's Fauci's organization, disguised millions in COVID relief to fund population control and abortion. So exclusive receipts of a USAID grant agreement from 2020 show that federal government sent millions of taxpayer dollars in funding for abortion and population control propaganda disguised as overseas COVID relief grants. The grant funneled to the notorious eugenics group Pathfinder International appears to not be not not to be a one-off incident. Rather, it is part of a multi-million dollar federal scheme 
that stealthily used pandemic disaster relief efforts. They've been doing this since AIDS. They've been doing this since AIDS to Africa. They've been doing this and they, they find funnel money to Ukraine. And I remember reading an article a long time ago where our ambassador to Ukraine that was part of the impeachment hoax uh, was in on it. Justin Moderna has requested FDA to authorize more money for Moderna, right? Justin Moderna has requested FDA to authorize its COVID vaccine injection for emergency use in children under six. Meanwhile, the Durham report, Mark Elias, who is central not only in the Georgia election fraud in 2020, but he was central in the Russian hoax in 2016. This Mark Elias, this attorney for Perkins Coey, former per- attorney for per- Perkins Coey, wiped out all of his tweets again. Everything before April 4th, 2022 has been deleted. Go figure. They're hiding. And this is interesting news as well. Breaking. Um, Goya Foods. Remember him? Goya Foods CEO publishes warning that we're on the precipice of a global food crisis. Like Kissinger said, if you control the food, you control the people. Control the energy and you control continents and control the banks and you control the world. And that's exactly what the globalist movement is doing. And they're using COVID and disasters like COVID. They're manufacturing numbers to dramatize the the crisis. They're, they're, They're sowing seeds of chaos and confusion with CRT and LBGDQ and trans. They're clouding your head with a whole bunch of pollution, getting you to fight with each other. That's how they got Black Lives Matter initiated. They started this war between black conservatives and black liberals. You know, we're doing they're they're doing so many of these things. It's a distraction. Keep your eye on the prize. The prize is the 2022 election. Don't let them steal it. Hey, you've been listening to the Scott Adams show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And be sure to check out magapack.org or buglecall.org, but magapack.org is the one that's supporting right now Red State Talk Radio and the Scott Adams Show, and we want to thank them and be sure to support them so they could support organizations like us and our messaging to America First policies to make America great again. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. Check out our Substack over at ScottAdamsShow.Substack.com and My Patriot Supply, MPS.ScottAdamsShow.com. A little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.